Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Okay, hello. We are back with our Love Actually series for the month of February. Yeah, guys, we're really excited. This has been fun to bring you some, yeah, just real life stories of what love looks like. Different than maybe like the fairy tale Cinderella story we all grew up with. Yes. So we have Jamie Nato with us. And hi, Jamie. Thanks for coming on. Hi, you guys. Hi. We were talking before because almost eight years ago, I babysat for Jamie over one summer, which is just funny. Your kids are so grown up now. I feel like the, you know, when you hear older people say like, oh, you're so grown up. Like, I remember you when you were little. I like feel that way when I see little kids I babysat years ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are like in middle school and can have a conversation with me. So that was a fun season of my life because I was a newlywed, 20 years old and didn't know what I was doing. And it's just really funny to look back at that time. You got to see all of the rawness of what day-to-day life in the NATO household was. Yes, yes. And I often think about when we now bring young girls into our home, I'm like, you know what? I like not shielding things because this is what life is and you need to learn now so you don't go in with weird expectations. But My only concern was that I didn't scar you for life. I was like, oh my gosh, what happened that summer? Because with little kids, it's just very chaotic. And it's a season of life that is very physically exhausting. So we are in a totally different stage now with older kids. So when you were in my home, I think... What did my kids poop on? What? No, you had just gotten a dog and like it would always run away. That little, I forgot what its name was, but I remember that was like the biggest drama of the summer, I feel like. It was Greta probably. Yeah. She wore like a bowl around her neck so that she couldn't jump through the fence. It was, it was a beautiful time (laughs) in our lives. Oh, you're telling me that as I like do not like my dog. I'm like, should we get rid of a dog? We have small kids and this seems like too much. She's in that phase where my phase is we lost our dog last year and then we adopted a baby like a newborn and then my husband like, surprise, here's a puppy when the baby was like three months old. So we're talking about how this week my husband's been traveling and I've had both kids alone and I've had a like diarying dog. And it's like, those are just (laughs) things that you shouldn't have to walk through in life. Or like ever do combined. Yeah, by yourself. But anyways... It does make you pray for the rapture. And, you know, that's a great prayer. (laughs) There were many, many times like that in young motherhood where I just thought, you know, I think we probably had one more child than we should have. Like I, not in a bad way. He is the love of my life. But like, what are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? Yeah. We were talking about mom anger. We're like, not enough people talk about how like we really have to practice patience and kindness. And like, that makes it we sound actually so simple. have like real <laughs> anger as moms. Yeah. And we really have to like learn how to control that because yeah. sometimes it goes crazy and you're just like, what is happening in life? Yeah. Well, we've already kind of jumped into conversation, but will you start off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do, your career, all the things. Yeah, I am just a little bit of a squirrel, but I'm a serial entrepreneur is how I best describe myself. And I have four kiddos. I've been married for 18 to 20,000 years. And we own a coffee shop. We like to dabble in a little real estate. I sell things on the internet. I promise it's totally good and normal. That just sounded bad. Yeah, like black market things, like body parts. (laughs) My clothes are on. Yeah. 
Yeah. (laughs) No, but just we do a lot of different things and it keeps me busy and happy and very stimulated. And I'm a writer. I just wrote a book that'll come out in the summer. And I don't know. So I don't have enough going on in my life. (laughs) How old are your kids? Yeah. Yeah. How old are your kiddos? (laughs) Yeah. I have a 16 year old who's a junior in high school. He is taller than me by far. It's like disciplining him. I'm like looking up at him. Like you listen to me, young man. (laughs) Then I have a 14 year old Lila. She's our special needs kiddo and just like the most joyful (laughs) human that ever lived. And then Penelope, who is 11, and Pruitt, who is eight. Wow. Such good names. Yeah. I remember Gosh. being like, these are good names. Pruitt, Penelope, yeah. so cute. Yes. I love that. I have Elaine, Lila, Penelope, Pruitt. Like, I have to have symmetrical things in my life. I like that. I love that. Yeah. I love that what you call yourself a serial entrepreneur because I'm like, that's so fun. That's you. I, I was going to say, yeah. that's like me. I'm just like, it's fun to have a lot of different hobbies and people are always like, how do you do it all? I'm like, I don't know. It's just how God made me. I just like a lot of different things and it's fun. So I love that you've just like gone with those dreams. I have help. Like I have assistance. I don't do like admin. <laughs> I want to do the fun stuff. I don't want to do anything that makes me sit down. That's why I rank writing a book zero out of 10 stars because you have to sit and focus for many hours per day. So whatever. I did it. Proud of myself. Did you go off and do like a weekend where you just like went to a cabin in the woods or something and tried to like write a bunch or did you just do it day by day? In my head, that's what I wanted to do because I wanted to be like really romantic and fun and this exciting, sexy experience. But I literally sat in a chair and I said, if you can't do it here, you can't do it anywhere. And so I listened to a podcast where a guy had said, listen, if you can just do what you're best at during the hours of day that you're most like alive, then you can get anything done. And I took that seriously. So I'm only good for like two hours of the day. And I'm not joking. I like shouldn't see people before 10 a.m. And then by like one, I am like, we have to take a nap. So from 10 to about 1230, I scheduled no appointments. If my friends asked me to lunch, I said, no, I didn't volunteer for anything. I didn't do any other work. I sat there and I wrote that every single day. And so I cranked out about a chapter a week, which is uncommon for me. I tried to write a book before that for like eight years. So as a testament to that kind of formula, you could do a lot. You would just protect that time. I feel honored that we got one of your prime hours of the day because yeah. we're recording right now at 11.30 a.m. every yeah. one. Yeah. So like, this is prime Jamie Nato hours. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. I'm glowing with the holiness of the Lord <laughs> at this point. That's amazing. Just kidding. That takes a lot of discipline too to like, I would just so easily be like, well, I can go, okay, if a friend texts me for lunch, like I'll be there. Like I'm dropping everything. Like, let's go get lunch. Like we're so bad about it. We'll sometimes be like, let's do a strategy meeting. And then we're like, let's go have lunch first. And then it's like, well, we both need to like go return something to Target. And then we spent like three <laughs> hours, like not strategizing at all. But that's really but awesome. we're bonding. Yeah, but we're bonding. bonding. Well, and you're also like, I'm older than you guys. So I don't know if you knew that, but I am like elderly. So there's just something about aging that you kind of, it's very beautiful and that you just don't need the distraction. And like you crave, I don't know, it just takes something different. So it's maybe it's just my age that I was like, you know what, you need to actually like 
do what you said you were going to do. Well, I do think it is maturity because like the older I've gotten, I do know like when I work best, what I'm best at. And I think you so easily like as you get older, you let go of things if you're just like, I'm okay saying I'm not good at that. And I should offload that to someone else because I'm not good at that. And I think that's just like maturity and wisdom because then you're like, no, I'm best here and I'm going to be best at this time. And like, obviously you're more effective that way. Like God created you that way. And so I don't know, it's always encouraging and like fun for me to learn those things about myself or other people. I'm like, we should all like lean into that because that's really well. Cool. And you know, when people aren't, they're trying to be something that they're not. And I've done that too. Like, you know, you try because you look at someone and you say, well, that was working really well for them or that they were successful there. And so I will implement that. And, you know, then it's a disaster. Or it's difficult or it's just tough. And now I think like, you know what, people get hurt when I do math, like our family dies when I do the budget, like, I should not be allowed to have taxes, or calculator near me. I your husband's hearing this just nodding his head like, yes. Oh, it's just send it to a bookkeeper. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, why are there two charges at Target per day? Like, should there be less? (laughs) That's the worst. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't do things that I'm really, really, really bad at. (laughs) I just say no. That's good. Well, kind of jumping into what we're talking about in this series, will you tell us a little bit about your marriage and what growing your family and from day one, maybe even before, I kind of have heard parts of your story. And so tell us like, how did you feel about marriage as this like young Christian girl walking into it? And then what did it actually end up looking like for you? Yeah. I grew up in the church. I grew up with, and especially in the evangelical space, like marriage and mothering were very uplifted. And so I just had my eyes set on that. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I have seven siblings. And like, who else is going to wrangle these humans? So it just seemed like the thing to do. And so I had my eye kind of set on that. I went to college to become a teacher. And when I got out, I worked for a church because I didn't want to do, I was teaching high school English and I was only four years older than some of those seniors. So it was dumb anyway. But when I got out, I worked for a church and I really just thought I'm kind of just biding my time till I meet my husband and what else is there to do? I think that's silly now, but like, that's just the honest answer. I really thought I wanted to be a wife and a full-time mother. And I was excited about that. So when I met my husband, we were 22 maybe. And we just kind of like met and married in six months because why not? Like, why not get engaged like three months after you start dating? And I mean, I fell in love. I'll say that I had never fallen in love before. I don't like wasting people's time. So if I know it's not going to work after like a month, it's not going to work. And I'm not wasting your time. I don't need you. You don't need me. Let's just cut our losses. So I never had a relationship like that. And when I met him, I mean, I just fell really hard in love and we were smitten and we were two Christians. You know, we both worked for like a youth program. That's how we met for the Lord. (laughs) And we were A plus Christians. (laughs) Doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Yeah, we were just doing the Lord's work by being us. (laughs) And we got pregnant on our honeymoon. I got pregnant. Nato didn't get pregnant. He did the fun part. And then just like dumb stuff that you do when you're like, what? (laughs) Sex works to make babies. (laughs) And then your life just starts. And it was really fast. We bought a house. 
I used my gift card money from the wedding to buy a crib. Like we fast and furious is the name of the game. And I liked it that way. I mean, I like a lot of stimulation. I do well in that kind of like tornado of craziness. And he does too. And the problem is, if you think you're invincible, just because you're Christians, like nothing's going to come your way and you're going to have no struggles. And that was my formula was like, okay, if you're just a good Christian, if you wait to have sex till you're married, if you follow all the rules and you're just a good person in general, then God will bless you. And that's like, obviously what's going to happen for me, but that's not how suffering works. And two years, maybe into our marriage, my husband had an affair that he didn't tell me about like a one night stand. He was a nurse and working nights and it made more money. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. And he buried that thinking, I just will never do that again. And no one has to know. We'll move on. But then what a year later, he's having a full blown affair, emotional, sexual, like the whole thing with a woman who he thinks he loves. And I have two kids at that point, a toddler and a newborn. And I just look on his phone and find things that look like they're to me, but it's not to me. And it's very sexual in nature. And I just, my world fell apart. I, when I found those messages, like people say, oh, it was like, I left my body or I blacked out or I don't remember. I literally remember watching myself from the corner of the room. I left my body. Like I was like, this is not my life. This isn't happening to me. I mean, it was so painful. I just thought I was going to die. And I didn't, it wasn't like suicidal. I just thought I'm not going to, I'm just not going to make it through this. And if I die in the middle of the night, this so be it. Like I can't wake up in the morning. And so I don't remember like a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff, except that I had really good friends. I had my family and they kind of just made me eat and they, they watch my kids and they clean my house. And even his side of the family was so so good to me. You know, like, can we take the kids? Can we, I mean, I was very blessed in that regard, but inside of me was just literally like dead. I was going to die. Just to jump in. So at this time, like you guys are still like these A plus Christians, like you guys are at a church. I'm assuming both of you had like Christian friends. And I, I think I remember like not to make this, but going back like eight years, I remember being young, 20 years old, newly married and hearing you kind of like just share with me part of your story in your kitchen and being like, oh my gosh, like it almost puts this like fear of like, wait, this can happen. Like you were saying, like you can be doing all the right things and like that can still happen. Like, no, like surely something. And you know, with age, I've realized like, no, literally you can be doing all of the right things. And I think whether it's the shame, whatever is playing a part, like, like whatever was going on with him and you and all these things happening, it's just like, those things can still happen in the presence of like, I don't know. I just like to think like, as long as I'm having my daily quiet times, like I will be protected. My heart will be in the right place and I will say no to sin. And I will, yeah, it's just like, it was a wake up call for me and not fear in a bad way, but it was like one of the first times I'd had like an older Christian woman be honest and be like, yeah, like this can happen and you also can survive it. And this is how God worked in it. So like you were honest about that stuff too. But it's good to remind people that A, you were in community and in a church and walking alongside people. And then also that was put in place. So when this did happen to you, 
you had people there. Like you had people to come alongside you. So I like both aspects of that. Yeah. So for people, just so they understand. So like this all comes out. What do the next like months and years look like for you all? Well, to your point, I mean, we were in small groups. We were leading a small group. We were like sitting in the front row at church. My husband was in accountability with the pastors. (laughs) We had good friends that loved the Lord. Generally speaking, we were happy until like it was getting like he was clearly trying to leave or he had left emotionally. And that was when I became very unhappy and very concerned. And I would tell everyone who would listen. I wasn't being quiet about it. I was just like, it's like he's having an affair, but with his job, like I was using that language, but it also, no one believed that he would ever do anything like that because he's charming and charismatic and just like a weasel in that way. Like it's not all bad to be that way, but he knew how to manipulate. And so it was hard for people to even believe when this all came out. But I will say when it did finally come out. I was thought, thank God. I thought I was going crazy. Like, how can I be this unhappy? And I'm supposed to be like, living the dream. I'm being a mom and I'm being a wife and I get to stay at home and then your life falls apart. So, I mean, that week was just hard. I say the week I left, I went to my parents to stay for a little bit and they live nearby. And What happened in that week was just kind of miraculous, as in my dad is an attorney. And so he already had like the papers (laughs) ready to go. You know, he was like, whenever you're ready to get moving on that paperwork, we'll just, we'll cut your losses. You're young. You have a lot of life ahead of you. And I had brothers and they were like, and we have shovels ready to go bury him. So it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we should get a divorce. Like once a cheater, always a cheater. And let's just, I need to move on. And in that week, though, that's not what God did. I say he held up the sun for me because it doesn't make sense what God did in my heart that time. But by the end of that week, God pretty verbally asked me to forgive my husband and made it pretty clear that I was my husband in the way that I deal with God. Like I cheat on God quite a bit. And that's not pleasant because I was like, hold on, I... (laughs) I am the one who is the victim here. So I don't want to deal with my crap. Like, and it wasn't in dealing with anything like take your part in the affair. I don't like that. I don't like when people say that someone gave me a book about infidelity and the first page was like owning your part in the affair. And I threw it across the room. I was like, that's BS to me. Like I was doing my part of the formula. I love God. I'm living for God. And I did not. And so it wasn't that God wasn't being like, you're an adulterer too, as far as like, just accept him. He was more like holding up a mirror to me saying, I'm going to ask you to forgive him as a way for you to understand the gospel in a very tangible way for yourself. And so I just, it was me and God kind of wrestling. And by the end of it, I really did forgive my husband. I didn't know if we were going to get back together, but I did forgive him which I think is miraculous because I'm a sassy creature. So it's not, I was going to take all of his money and like never let him see his kids. That was going to be my plan. But God, he just made me have a lot of compassion for someone who deserved none and a lot of grace for someone who (laughs) did not deserve it. And so that was how I left that week. Now we were separated for 
two months, he was not repentant fully. I just didn't know if I was going to stay married to him. I'll say that there was a lot of up in the air for quite a while. I can't imagine like getting to that place where, I mean, that just requires also so much humility of like, well, I do forgive you and I will forgive you. And then then you would expect, I think, like if it all had just happened like a novel that he would be like, well, great. Like I made this mistake. Like I'm, you know, begging for forgiveness. And I don't know. We've talked to a few people now and I've like known a few people that this is their story. And one thing I find interesting, and maybe I know you've probably talked to like so many women who have come to you in this place of like the way that people treat the person who's had the affair, like right in those moments, like it sounds like even if you were angry and I'm sure said things, ultimately throughout that week, like you had kindness towards him and similar, like we had a girl on our podcast and like same thing, like I remember her saying like her parents looked at him and said like, we love you and like what you've done is a huge mistake, but like we still love you and we know like God still loves you. And I just think that's really powerful because I think that might be some kind of indicator of like how that person then could get to a place where they could think, wow, okay, I could turn away from this and go back to those people. Whereas like when I've heard of situations where it's like you're dead to us, you're dead to our family, your community hates you, you'll never be able to step foot back in this church. It's like, I almost feel like that person is left to say like, I don't have a choice but to continue down this path. So I don't know. That's just like an interesting note on like grace and forgiveness, which I'm sure like I can't even fathom how much easier like said than done that is. But Mm -hmm. I love what you've said about like God revealing to you of like, no, this is how you're going to experience the gospel in such a tangible way. Because there have been like almost checkpoints in my life where, you know, if that's in a relationship with a friend that I'm like, wow, you're giving me so much compassion that like I do not deserve. Or I think becoming a parent, I've recognized like, oh, wow, I understand the gospel in a whole new way. In marriage, I understand the gospel in a whole new way. And I just think it's so interesting that like that is the perspective God gave you of like, no, this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple. Like you and I are going to wrestle back and forth. But like in his kindness, he's like, this is how you are going to understand my love for you so deeply that you're actually going to forgive him when like, that's not what he deserves. And that's not what anyone in this world would probably be like, yeah, you should just forgive him. You know, or maybe in that moment, that's not our like instinct, but God flips that upside down. And he says, no, like I did that for you. So you're going to do this for him. And I love that. Yeah. He broke. I mean, my identity broke. Okay. If I'm not like this excellent wife, supposedly, or because I wasn't even a great mom at that time. I mean, I, I couldn't even hardly feed myself. I needed a lot of help. So I wasn't really great at either. And that was what I was kind of staking my identity in. And I felt like a bad Christian because I couldn't keep my marriage together. Like what was wrong with me that I couldn't keep my husband? Did I not pray enough? Or people would be like, were you having sex? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we were. But, you know, so much onus on the other person when it really was about NATO and his relationship with God vertically and my relationship with God vertically. And then you can come healthy together like that in that horizontal way. But like, no, God broke me. He smashed my identity and it happens through suffering. But like, there are few times when I felt that close to God. I can only think of like two and one has been recent. But to feel God's like breath on your neck, I mean, that is a different kind of intimacy that you don't get with God every day when things are going great and you don't need God. But God met me and it changed me. I mean, the gospel got in my bones. It changed everything. It changed how I parented. It changed how I did relationships. It changed our finances. Like 
the gospel took root in that moment. And I was a Christian before, but not, and I was a Christian my whole life. So I thought it was pretty great, you know, LOL. And then this happens. And I think the richness that I know of God now and the tenderness that I love him with is completely different than before. I've said to people in some times of my, like when you talk about like that feeling God, his breath on your neck of like, well, there's seasons of our life where we, in honesty, like we rely on God, like every few days or maybe once a week or every few weeks when things are going well, it's like, oh yeah, God, like, yeah, I do need you today. I need to rely on you. But when you're walking through suffering like that, I think I've explained it like, no, I needed, I remember like praying like, God, I need to sit up in bed right now. So like, I need you to help me sit up and I need to step my foot out of this bed right now. Like I need you to help me step my foot out. There's such a difference when you're walking in close suffering like that. And it's hard when people like talk about fearing suffering or just people I know who are like, yeah, just so protective of their life or their kids or, and obviously that's human nature too. We don't want bad things to happen to us. But when you can understand the richness, there's this like security that you have about life that it's like, well, I already know that he tells us there's going to be suffering. So my job right now is just to like be living as closely to God in relationship that I can so that when I do walk into that, like I have that to rely on and to lean on. And so I kind of like hear sometimes when people and, you know, we talk to mostly young girls on this podcast and it's just this like anxiety of things that can happen in life. And it's like, yeah, but you have God with you and you can't explain that breath feeling that closeness unless you've walked through it. And so I don't know. Well, Side note. that's a, a young person's fear, I guess. But like, I think about me in my twenties, same anxieties, but my core belief was that God wasn't good that he wasn't going to be good to me and that he wasn't going to take care of me because nothing gets to pass through him without his permission. And like, I see that time of suffering as like one of the truest gifts I've ever had. Like my reward was not my marriage getting back together. My reward was his presence. And it still is my reward. That experience reoriented my whole life. So now I don't have to get what I want. I don't have to have the happy ending in any story because suffering keeps going. It's like the affair wasn't just the affair and then that's my token suffering. Suffering continues, you know, miscarriage or I have a special needs kiddo and so dreams die, but his way is better. And even like Lila, I think is better than what I could have even thought for myself. And what was I thinking? Thinking that I could (laughs) make my life better than what it is. and. I don't know. I just think there's some core beliefs there that you just don't have the maturity for yet. But it's good to listen to other people in suffering and people who have gone before you. And like, they're on the hike, they know what's up ahead a little bit. And to just say like, hey, they made it through. And it's obviously God's mercy. And they're still there. They're still on the trail. They're still believing that God is for them. And no one can take that away from you. Like nobody can take that. I love how you say that because even in that way, we recently spoke with someone who she was just saying like, who's one of the most influential Christians in her life. And she said like, I feel like the cop out answer is my parents. But she said to my parents because she was like, I've watched them be sanctified even in their like 70 years of age at this point, that they're continuing to learn more about God and his kindness and his goodness. And like, yeah, you are many years ahead of us in life. And I just love that because like we have our own experiences. God and his kindness has taught us things. But I'm like, gosh, what am I going to learn about him? 
him in the next 10 years or even 10 years from now. Or like, I hope that continues the rest of my life because like, again, in his kindness, he gives us that in like waves because he's like, no, I'm going to continue to show you this because you guys are people who are going to continue to question. You're not going to be able to understand how good and perfect and just like sovereign my plan is for your life. And so I'm going to keep feeding it to you almost like we, you know, are just like in our infancy all the time in our faith, but we continue to like get glimpses of like how much better he is than like anything we could imagine, which I just like love that. I don't know if that's even making sense, but as I hear you, I'm like, that's amazing. I love hearing that from you. So talk through your life. We know now like you have this family and like you mentioned, like there's been other suffering. So talk through like you guys reconciled. What was that like? What have the years since then looked like if it's other suffering, if it's continuing to have to kind of go back to some of those like core lies that you were believing during that time that maybe still like display themselves even in different ways in your life currently? What has that been like? I mean, the healing process, it's like... Up, down, up, down, up, down, roller coaster, roller coaster. And that happens with grief. That happens in any suffering. You don't have to have been through infidelity to understand that when you're so close to the experience of suffering, it's really a roller coaster of emotions and belief. And you are fighting. It's like a full time job. I remember it just being a full time job to forgive my husband when things would pop up in my head or when I would see a picture or I'd be triggered by a movie or a part of town or whatever. And I finally decided by probably God's grace is just, I'm not letting this stuff chase me anymore. I'm tired of it. So I would say, I would just turn around and say like, okay, what do you got for me? Yes, that happened. Yes, that watch that he's wearing is in the picture that a girl gave him. I forgive him for that. And then the next time I walked by that hallway in that picture and that thought came again, like there's that dang watch. I would be like, no, I already forgave for that. And you just walk, you walk in it and it will harass you. And then one day you walk by the picture and it doesn't harass you anymore. And I don't know. I just felt like for me, it was this continually forgiving for him. He started to understand the gospel in this way of like, oh my gosh, my wife is being so gracious towards me. I also yelled at him, but you know, I mean, there's anger and outbursts and tears and all that, but my friends are being really gracious to me. I mean, he got to experience the gospel and like undeserved friendship and intimacy that he could have lost it all. And so we both had our own tracks of healing. I mean, we were in therapy, me by myself, he by himself, and then we would come together. We looked at it as a full-time job. So then we meet with friends and meet with our pastor, but we do things fast and furious. So that's not everybody's like track, but it was tedious, but it was good. And we had two more babies than we should have. Like, the same thing that hurt me is the same thing that healed me. And I can say that the church too. I've been very hurt inside of the church to the point where, I mean, it's traumatic to me, but where do I find myself back in another church? And I'm finding a lot of healing there. So I think we're fearful of the suffering, but then you you, you don't see the prize. I have a very good life. I have a very good marriage. I mean, it is a gift to me. I do not even deserve this marriage. It's so good. And I'm not saying that to be like, sorry that your all of your marriages suck. But <laughs> I'm saying I am very, very content in my marriage, very satisfied. And he's my best friend. And he's the one who hurt me the deepest. I mean, it's just, we think it's like either or. And it's really kind of this layered, complicated thing. And we keep healing. But I'll say we're, 
pretty far out. And I think, I guess it happened 16 years ago or so. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that happened to me. Like sometimes it's just so far away that it doesn't feel like it's happened to me. God's done a miracle in my heart. I don't look at my husband like that. Our friends don't look at him like that. My parents love him. It's kind of amazing what God has done. And sometimes I'm still triggered or sometimes I get paranoid or sometimes I look at his phone and I'm like, what are you up to? <laughs> and he's like, how about it? So it's up down for a little bit, but it plateaus out and maybe just like, don't discount the goodness that can come out of, out of your suffering. And I call it a stop sign. Like sometimes your stop sign is your catapult. It feels like I'm stopping. This is the end. I can't go any further. And then that's when God says, oh, this is my favorite. You're very weak. And I'm going to catapult you into, for me, it's like a ministry. I get to talk about my marriage a lot and I get to help other people and I get to write about it. And it's fun. I just love how you describe that because in in your story, obviously, you've probably recognized this. But even as you mention all of the things that are involved in that, that you now get to talk about this, that you have a ministry, that you guys have these friends that fully forgive him, that you guys don't walk around town or in your community and everyone just like holds this grudge against him. Your family loves him. Like, I love how you're describing this like ripple effect of the reconciliation of forgiveness, that like there was actual reconciliation and forgiveness that occurred in your relationship. And that like sent waves throughout many groups of people. And like what, I mean, obviously speaking about this example, but even other things in our lives of like, we know as Christians, we want to be a light. We know that we want to look different than how this world lives. But what a way that you guys did that. Well, what God did in you all to like send throughout communities of people that, I don't know. I mean, that's just like a picture in such an example of like, don't we all want to live so differently and walk through really hard things so differently so that it sends just like hope and light to people who like, it just looks so different than how the world lives. And I love hearing that from you and all the people it touched. Yeah, I'm sure there were people that thought you were like crazy for wanting to restore your marriage and stay in it. And I also want to speak to the people like, I think that this is just a result of us placing marriage and what this like Christian marriage should look like on such a pedestal. I mean, we joke all the time about how, I mean, I got married in college still. And so you're in student ministry and I'm like, oh, truly, like, I think I really believed that we would get married and then we would like take our Bibles on our honeymoon and like open them up together. And like my husband would like lead me through a devotional and like lay hands and pray over me or something. And like, I remember being like, like, what? Are you having your quiet time? Like, come on, you know, let's sip our coffee. And so I think maybe that is part of it. But I even already, like, I still sense when someone in a small group or when a girl in a friend group is like being really vulnerable about her marriage and just sharing all the nastiness, like even if it's not an affair, it's like if their marriage just like isn't really doing well, but they're like putting in the work. There is so much like under the table judgment that is coming out. So it's like, oh, I'll be praying for you. Like, I'll hold you accountable. But I I just can see it in their mind spinning of like, wow, like that marriage. And I'm just like, we got to stop with the judging the marriages too or thinking that like, because a marriage is struggling, it's a bad marriage or it's not a godly marriage. It's like, actually, maybe your marriage that you're shoving everything down the rug and just pretending life is normal, that might not be healthy either, you know? So I don't know. Did you have experiences with people just judging you guys in that way? Of course. And it still happens. I mean, it's kind of like parenting too, or like you have a baby and you can tell people 
what it's like to have a baby. Like you can be like, you're going to think you're going to pass out from the pain, but you don't, you're still alive and you still have to have this watermelon. And you try to like tell people what it's going to be like. And they're like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, okay. I got this. I'm going to do some breath work. And you can't like, until they walk through it, you just can't explain fully what it's like. And to that, I say, you know, they're going to have their own suffering. And I felt like after that happened to me and to this day, I am on my own journey and it's between me and God. It's very vertical. You can think what you want to think about my parenting, my marriage, my career choices, like how I worked and got a nanny. And I just don't care anymore. Sometimes I do, I guess it creeps up on you, but for the most part, I have my eye on the prize. I have my blinders on. I think that comes with age and maturity too. And you can judge me all you want. Just know that around the corner, you will have to eat your words and I eat them every day. So it sounds like I'm being super sassy, but it's like suffering is coming. It's coming for all of us. And when it comes, God will, he will like show up for you. And that's what changes you, not like avoiding all suffering. Like if you watched a movie and the movie was like, yeah, so, and then they told me where the treasure map was. And then I found the treasure and here we all, we're all so rich. <laughs> like you wouldn't watch that movie. We like to see people overcome because that speaks to God being the great overcomer. We like to see these forgiveness stories because it tells us something about God. And like forgiveness is supernatural. And when you see that deep calls to deep and something happens in you because your spirit is like waking up. When you see someone really loving someone, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are all fruits of the spirit. You can't push them. You can pretend for sure. But real, real fruits of the spirit, like genuine forgiveness, genuine joy. Are you not just like, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> like, yes. I'm in. Yeah, you're just pulled into it. That's what we're called to be as believers. I'll say I'm on social media a lot. And it's surprising that that's not what you see from believers. You see a lot of acting like the world, saying what the world says, doing what the world does, a lot of defending, a lot of fighting. And I just, I think there's a better way. And I think if we relied on God for those things, if you don't have patience, guys, you don't need to muster up patience. You go to God and say, I'm weak. Please give me patience. <laughs> like, If you don't have self-control, you go to God and you, you admit, I do not have self-control in this. I'm sick of faking it. I can't do it. Will you give me your supernatural self-control? This is how God works. So I think it's fun to see like when other believers are just, it's contagious. Like it's not faking it. And I want to be around that. Like I want more of that. It's so funny as you say that because we all know that. I don't think we all imagine like not going through hard things in our lives. But subconsciously, we all think, well, I'm not going to go through hard things. Like I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids and we're going to live in this awesome house. and I'm going to drive my dream car. And like, that's just what life is going to look like. And like, I think then we're shocked when like suffering comes. And I had this like aha moment. So it was so weird. The other day, I was like reading a book with my kids and the book is talking about all the things that God is to us. So it was talking through like, he's our friend and he forgives and he is kind and he's our protector. And I had this like out of body experience for a moment that I was like, 
do I allow him to be my protector? Do I allow him to be my friend? Or actually, do I put him in a box where I'm like, no, you can kind of like the cliche thing. of like, you can touch this. Like, I am really bad at control. I love to like, be all the things to all the people all the time. And I love to be the person who's like, Christian did that Christian did that. Like, I love that. And it's a lot of pride in me. And so I really have to rid myself of that all the time. And I literally was reading this little book and I turned to my son and I was like, I asked him, I was like, do you feel that like God protects you? Like God protects you when you're scared at night. And like, we had this whole conversation about it. And he was like, really good for me because I'm like, do I actually allow him to be that? Like, do I actually shrink myself enough to allow him to fill those spaces? Because I think a lot of times I don't. And I think a lot of times, like, I want to fill the gaps. I want to be all these things. But I'm like, no, I know he's those things for me. But, like, I'm the one not allowing him to do that. And it was, like, really eye-opening for me. Kids will do that to you, you know. I mean, Ann Voskamp said a long time ago, this is, like, I was maybe going to Haiti or something like that. I was stressed out about it because I like my comfort and all that. And I read something. It said, safety is the mirage of the living dead. And I think about that a lot now control is a mirage of the living dead. Like you just can't get anywhere. I think in life, you will taper yourself down so far. You will water it down so hard. You will live less. You will not live out your potential. If you think that you are the one, like if you think I'm the one keeping us all safe, I'm the one protecting us. I'm the one controlling this. And if you continue to say that to yourself, I have that, that runs in my head all the time, just like scripture. That's why you memorize it. You know, I have a 16 year old son. I mean, putting that child in a car, I'm like, may the Lord bless the greater Kansas city area. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I did a parking lot with them and it was tough. So, you know, just thinking like, okay, God is going to have to be in control of this or Lila goes to school. I am scared out of my brains. What's going to happen to her in the hallway or what could happen to her? And like just relinquishing control every day and saying like, what do I believe about God? What do I not believe about God in this moment? And these are little moments that are God's gift. He's handing you something and you can either take the gift or you can slap his hand away. And I think those moments when God gives you a gift of like, hey, it's time to relinquish control here. I just accept. I'm like, well, he's going to get me down the road <laughs> anyway. He's going to tap me on something else. So I'm going to go ahead and accept the gift and learn now. And I find staying soft to God in that way is very helpful for me, lest I become a big control freak. I like that. We actually, I love when a few times in the last few weeks, people have talked about fruit of the spirit and we did a big series on fruit of the spirit this last fall. So I like that that's just still being sprinkled in because we almost like beat fruit of the spirit dead. I was like, oh my gosh, like we had a lot of fruit of the spirit going on. But I like that you talked about that. And I was just sitting there thinking, okay, I would, not that I couldn't love something from like an older couple that had been married a gajillion years and just seemed so proper and sweet and like calm and they don't really have any big problems. Like maybe I could learn something from them, but I would much rather like get to sit down from you and your husband and hear like how you've learned things in your marriage I don't know. I just feel like there is a richness to that. I was like, yeah, you've been through some stuff and you figured it out together. And like, that's what life and marriage is. So yeah, honestly, I mean, we are honored that you are willing to share your story with us today. Why don't you, if you're willing, just like close us out with, I don't know, it could be marriage advice. It could be a practical of like, how do you? I love the thing of like, I stay soft towards Lord. Like, what is your kind of like go-to thing of like, this has been true day in and day out of my time with Jesus or in your marriage? Give us something, kind of leave us on that. I mean, anything good is worth 
going all in for. And NATO has taught me a lot in our marriage. And one of the ways that he has helped me is like his prayers, like even at dinner, he literally says this phrase. He says, God, change our hearts, soften it. You know, God, change our hearts, help us to repent constantly. God, change our hearts to the point where our kids, like their prayer to school is God, change our hearts to know that that is the solution. Like if you're having trouble in your marriage, yes, please go get therapy. Please pay someone. I mean, go to your pastor. That's fine, but they are not paid professionals. Go all in on this good thing. So we threw a bunch of money at it as far as marriage. I tried to read the books. I tried to listen to the podcasts that were good. Some of them are terrible. So just keep that in mind. But we go all in. I mean, NATO, like he's affirming and that like he'll leave and go to work and be like, you're my best friend. Like that's how he leaves the house or like we're about to go to sleep. And he's like, you're my best friend. Mm. I mean, he, he just so cute and endearing, but be best friends. Like, what does it take to be best friends? And how do you get there? I think sometimes if you know the solution, you can work backwards from that. And we just laugh a lot together. We spend a lot of time together. We take breaks when we need to, but it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of talking it out. It's a lot of like, Ooh, I'm going to say something really, really honest here. And I need you to know it's not about you. This is about me. So I don't know if I have a simple thing, except like, He is my best friend. I love being with him and cultivating a relationship that you want to be with each other. Like you genuinely enjoy each other. Mm -hmm. And change your hearts. That's humbling. And I love this because even in my own life, I'm feeling like I've been feeling convicted in the last few months of like forgiving. And just like, I do think how we going way back to the beginning, talking about the radical forgiveness you had to give of like, okay, if I can forgive my husband for like the little tiny things that... Yeah, just it's not on a big scale, but like some things he's been doing lately that I'm like, I don't want to forgive you. Like, I want to make you feel like you feel guilty for this. Yeah, Yeah. like owe me. And I have just heard, like you said, like that whisper, like that audible, like almost like God wants to tell me to shut up. And like, first of all, look at myself and like forgive him. And then when I do have that soft, tender, like forgiveness towards him, I see him changing. Like me, like beating him upside the head with his sin or mistakes is not going to put much change into him or our marriage. And so, well, how does that work for you? You know, it's like, if yeah. God were beating you over the head with your shame, like how I would does run. that work for yeah. you? Do you love God more? Or <laughs> It's so good. He doesn't. Like he loves his way back in there, you know, and we still get our little tips. I mean, yes, last night I was frustrated with him about something and he's like, my brain just doesn't work like this. And I'm like, we've done it four times. Like we, you need to know how to do this now. And he stormed off and I felt bad. Like I was like, his brain really doesn't work like that. And my apology was, I poured him a glass of wine and I like scooted it. He was at his desk and I scooted it over to him. (laughs) I was like, I did a face, you know, and said, Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this thing. And I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And like, he can't help but like crack a smile. Like if someone comes like bearing gifts and an apology, like you just can't help it, but keep those offenses, keep those quick. I mean, keep those 
a short sure. list. Yeah. yeah. So we will keep everyone updated when you release your book and we will share with everyone that's coming out in June. And I'm excited for all you have. Go follow Jamie on Instagram because you are such a good writer. I mean, I didn't know that you were an English teacher, but that's all clicking because your words are just super, super powerful in the way that you string them together. It's really fun to get to read. And you put out so much content, so Mm -hmm. many good things to read and participate with. So we'll make sure to link all of that in our show notes. And thank you so much, Jamie. It's been really, really fun and just an honor to chat with you today. You guys are the best. Thank you. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.